study of Acts, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. Where we left off, Paul is talking to the, the elders of Ephesus. He's giving kind of his, his farewell address. And where, where we left off, he was talking about it. He, he was willing to die for this gospel. And so what we talked about last time was that this is the gospel worth dying for, the gospel of prosperity, the gospel of moral reform. There's no other gospel that's worthy of dying for other than the gospel of grace, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's kind of where we left off. And I mentioned when we did that study, I mentioned that there were several parallels with the, the journey of Paul to Jerusalem and the journey of Jesus to Jerusalem. Uh, Luke, who, who wrote the book of Acts, and also the Gospel of Luke, he, he details this for both Jesus and Paul. He gives us this, this timeline of, and, and these events that happen that draw our attention to the fact that there are some similarities, there's some stark similarities between the journey of Jesus to Jerusalem and the journey of Paul to Jerusalem. Just a few of them. Uh, Paul and Jesus both travel with their disciples to, to uh, Jerusalem. Uh, Paul and Jesus were both opposed by the Jews that were hostile to the gospel. Paul predicts his death three times, just as Jesus does. And he even predicts that he will be turned over to the Gentiles, to the Roman authorities, just as Jesus does. Paul declares that, that he's ready to lay down his life to finish the ministry that God has given him, and so does Jesus. Remember, Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. And so we have these, these amazing similarities that Luke makes sure we understand. Luke makes sure that he follows in his gospel with Jesus and in the book of Acts with, with Paul. He sees these similarities, these parallels. So we're still, Paul is still addressing the, the, uh, the elders at Ephesus. He's still talking to them before he goes to Jerusalem. So let's pick up in verse 26 of Acts chapter 20. It is up here behind me. Picking up in, in verse 26 of Acts chapter 20. Therefore I declare to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, because I did not avoid declaring to you the whole plan of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Men will rise up even from your own number and distort the truth and lure the disciples into following them. Therefore, be on alert remembering that day and night for three years I never stopped warning each of you with tears. So Paul starts out by telling them about the whole plan of God. He makes this statement that he's, he's innocent of their blood because he, he has declared to them the whole plan of God. Now again, in the last section we saw that this is not a, a gospel of prosperity. This is not a gospel of, of, of things will be great in your life if you just come to Jesus. That's not the gospel Paul preached. In fact, 
he was very clear about the problems that they were going to face once they came to the gospel. And when they preached the gospel, there was going to be those that, were, that persecute them. Jesus was persecuted. Paul was persecuted. The, the, the elders at Ephesus were persecuted. We cannot expect not to be persecuted for our faith. We must expect it. Because that's the, the, the whole gospel. And, and I really kind of want to dive into that idea because what is the whole plan of God? Well, that, that, that word plan is translated different ways. Decree or counsel or plan or purpose or intention. And I think it's important to understand because it's kind of easy to decide what you believe and then find a verse that fits that, right? We can do that. I can stand here and tell you that the Bible says there is no God because Psalm 14 says that. Now, the rest of that verse is the fool says in his heart there is no God. But you see what I can do? I can twist Scripture. I can twist a portion of a verse to make it what I want it to say. And that's, that's what Paul was warning against. That's why he says he gave them the whole plan of God, the whole counsel of God, the whole decree of God, the whole purpose of God. What is the whole counsel of God? Well, there's 66 books written by 37 authors that cover 2,000 years of history, all of which coalesce into one, one story of who God is and what God has done, a historically accurate and verifiable story of who God is and what God's done. That's the whole counsel of God. That's the whole plan of God, the whole purpose of God. And Paul says, if I'm innocent of, the, of your blood because I told you the whole plan, I told you what you must know, the whole plan of God, the whole purpose of God, the whole intent of God, the whole truth of God. And so he tells them, be on guard. He says, be on guard for yourself and for the church. Well, how do we be on guard? He's already told us. The whole plan of God, the whole purpose of God, the whole truth of God. That's how we, are, how we stay focused. You know, the, the, the world that we live in today, it, it's just so easy to be drawn away by the lies there are so many platforms today for the lies to be spread. There's radio and TV and internet and social media, and there are, it, it amplifies the lies over and over again. We gotta stay focused on the whole plan of God, the whole counsel of God, the whole truth of God. That's how we stay focused. Because understand, as a Christian, you are an example. You're an example to this world. Now, you're an example of one of two things, either an example of the love and grace and truth of God or an example of hypocrisy, because that's the only two choices. You're, a, you're an example of the love and truth and, and, and forgiveness and grace of God, or you're an example of hypocrisy. And if there's, there's one, one charge that's leveled against the church over and over again, it's hypocrisy, isn't it? 
Isn't that exactly what the reason people tell us they don't come to church? It's because of the hypocrites. It's because what they see, how they see us living is not according to the whole plan of God. Isn't that what, what they continually tell us? We can guard ourselves from that. We can be on guard. We can guard our hearts with the whole counsel of God, with the whole plan of God, with the whole truth of God. You've heard me say it many times. But this is the whole plan of God. What you have been given by God was not meant to be just consumed. It was meant to be conveyed. You are loved in order to be loving. You have been given mercy in order to be merciful. You have been forgiven in order to be forgiving. What we have been given by God was meant to be conveyed through us to the world. That's the whole plan of God. That's the whole counsel of God. That's the whole purpose of God. And so that is how the church stays on track as well. As I said earlier, it's just so easy in our world to hear the lies because they're amplified in so many different ways. They're amplified by everything we, we hear and see. But that's the lie. The whole truth of God is what we must stay focused on as a church. As a church, this, this is what we stay focused on. Our society will tell you, our culture will tell you that life is about trying to find your truth. This is the truth. And life is not about trying to find it. Life is, a, is about conforming your thoughts and actions and words to it. That's what life's about. Life is about this truth. And yet that's not what we hear. What we hear are lies amplified by everything, by all of, of social media and internet and TV and radio. This is the truth, and life is about this truth. Now verse 28 calls us the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Purchased with his own blood. You and I don't belong to ourselves. We belong to Christ. We are bought and paid for by the blood of Christ. You and I, as a church and as individuals, we are, we are bought and paid for by, by the blood of Christ. There's a couple of other things to, to kind of draw out of this idea. First of all, it's the church of God. And so this church and every other church doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to me either belongs to Christ. Christ is the head of the church. And so this church and every other church belongs to Christ. And so that it's a good reminder for the leaders of this church and every church that, that we, are, we are under shepherds. We are not the shepherd. We are at best under shepherds in order for the church of God to raise up the name of Jesus. That's what we're here for. So it's a good reminder of that. And I, I've said many times, if the church had been invented by man, we would have destroyed it years ago. We would have destroyed it two centuries ago. We have tried to destroy it through history. But the church is God's 
The church belongs to God, and it's his idea. And so as you read, if you've read the end of the book, Revelation, if you've read to the end, you'll see that there are three things that survive. People, the word, and the church. That's it. Everything else is destroyed, but those three things survive. People, the word, and the church. So what is the church about? The church is about the word and people. We don't get hung up on programs. We don't get hung up on ministries. We're about bringing people to the whole truth of God. That's it. It's really that simple. It's really that easy. And then Paul says, well, he, he, he talks about shepherds. He talks about the shepherds that are overseeing the flock. And, and this is, a, this is a, a metaphor that continues. We see this metaphor in the Old Testament. We see it, Jesus talking about it in the New Testament. Jesus calling himself the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. We don't automatically connect with this idea of being sheep. As a matter of fact, in our culture today, being sheep isn't a good thing. It's not used as a compliment <laughs> in, in our culture today. But we are the sheep of God. We're the flock of God. And when you think about this metaphor, it actually fits us better than you, than you probably think on the surface. Because first of all, sheep have to have a leader. Otherwise, the sheep will just scatter. And they'll go places that are dangerous. They'll go places where they will become food for something. So sheep need a leader like we need a leader. Secondly, a, a sheep, even that's, that's part of the flock, a sheep will put his head down and just eat grass until he's lost. He just follows where the grass is until he, he's outside the voice of the shepherd, until he's too far from the shepherd. We do the same thing. We put our head down and follow our appetites until we are too far the shepherd to hear his voice. So, but, but the good shepherd, Jesus, brings us back. Brings back the wayward sheep, brings back the lost sheep. And he, and he feeds them, and he cares for them. And he takes them where they need to go. Now, another important point about the, the good shepherd. He doesn't take us where we want to go. He takes us where we need to go. Because we need to be. The shepherd knows where the sheep will mature the best, where they, where they will be the strongest, where they will grow the most, where they will flourish. We have a different view. We tend to think the grass looks really good here. Why should I change? And it's because the shepherd need, uh, knows where we need to go. So we have Christ as our shepherd, the good shepherd. And then he talks about these that are under, under shepherds. These that are shepherding the flock. Leaders in the church, another thing to remember. First of all, the church, again, belongs to Christ, not you. And secondly, that we are to lead the, the, the church where God wants them to go. That's, that's the under shepherd's job. And so, leaders in, in any church, this is your, your call. Your call is to lead the flock of God, God's people, 
to where God wants them, to care for them, to feed them, and to lead them where they need to go, to protect them. And Paul says that, that the church is under attack from the outside and from the inside. And he kind of continues the metaphor. He talks about wolves, being on guard for wolves. We've seen, through our study of Acts, we've seen that the church has been attacked from the outside. Remember, there were the Jews, the council, that, that, that put through Peter and John in jail and put Paul in jail. and All of these, these councils and, and leaders that have been against the gospel. We've also seen, uh, on the Gentile side, we've seen uh, the, the ruffians, the miscreants, I love, I love calling them that, the miscreants, that, that rioted when Paul spoke. We've seen it attacked from the outside, but we have also seen that the most vicious attacks on the church have been from the inside. Because on the inside, we had the, the, a group of believing Jews who thought, well, this is the Jewish Messiah of the Jewish God, it's not for Gentiles. Or, or those that said, well, this is the Jewish God and the Jewish Messiah, so you must become Jewish before you can become Christian. Or, or those that said, okay, maybe the Messiah came for them, but the Holy Spirit didn't. They can't have the Holy Spirit, they're Gentiles. Only the Jews can have the Holy Spirit. You saw all of these attacks from the inside of the church. And these are the same attacks that we have within churches today. We have the people that the, the gospel is for us, not for them. Well, the gospel is ours. It's not theirs. It's not for them. Or those that, that say, well, yeah, come in and clean yourself up. And, and become like us and act like us, and then you can come to Christ. You see, the arguments haven't changed. We're 2,000 years removed, and, and we've got the same arguments against the gospel. But the worst of it is those who mistreat the truth of God, those that twist the truth of God, those, those that, that take part of a verse or they and, 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 and make it into what they want, or they decide what they believe and then find a verse that fits that. We got that backwards. We decide what this says, then we know what to believe. Because this is the truth. This is the truth. And so we must, as individuals and as a church, we must stay focused on the whole counsel of God the whole plan of God, the whole purpose of God, the whole intent of God. I, I, that's been my commitment to you at this church. Will you make that commitment between you and God, that you will stay focused on the whole truth of God? Because in our world right now, as soon as you go out these doors, you're going to hear lies as soon as you go out these doors. We've seen through, through our study of Acts that, that the church has to engage the culture it finds itself in, and, and it should affect that culture. Remember in Ephesus, we had the, the kind of the, the, like we were listening in on a conversation of the unbelievers because they said, hey, 
These, these Christians, these people that are following the way, these folks are messing with our economy because we're, we're about the worship of Diana. And so our jobs are about Diana and our economy is about Diana. And all of these things that the Christians in Ephesus were affecting the culture. That's how we should be as a church. We should be affecting the culture, not affected by the culture, but affecting the culture, making a change. What Jesus called salt and light in this world. That's us. So will you make a commitment to be focused on the whole plan of God, the whole counsel of God, the whole purpose of God, the whole intent of God, the whole truth of God? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads because that's a question that only you can answer between you and God. It doesn't matter what you tell me. It matters the commitment that you make to God right now. Will you make a commitment to pattern your life, your thoughts, your actions, your words after the whole counsel of God? It's the only way that we can be on guard for the lies. It's the only way that we, we can, can stand against what our culture is trying to, to get us to do. Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you for the whole counsel of God. We know your wrath and your mercy. We know your justice and your grace. We know your love most of all. We thank you that you have given us your whole counsel. You have revealed yourself to us, first in your word and then fully in Jesus Christ. Help us, remind us to follow you, not the world we're in. For it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.